aboard for the Bipolar Express. Chances of breakdown. Hi, I'm Sadie Kay, and so am I. Bipolar disorder is a mental illness that is still little talked about and frequently misunderstood in Hong Kong. After 20 years of uncertainty, I was finally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Half of me didn't know what to say. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I'm still in two minds about it. If I were to describe my feelings about my mood disorder in one word, I'd have to say... Mixed. But don't take my word for it. I asked the man who diagnosed me, Dr Barry Connor, a psychiatrist at the Central Health Clinic, to explain my condition from a clinical point of view. Some people can have what's called bipolar affective disorder, what used to be called manic depression. And basically, it's a condition whereby somebody experiences mood swings. Mm -hmm. Um, Not mood swings generally within minutes or hours, but sustained periods of good mood, heightened mood versus low, very depressed mood. When you see people who are very, very seriously depressed, it can be to the point where very occasionally people will think that their heart isn't beating. Those are known as nihilistic delusions. So that's extreme depression. They will be so distressed because they literally think that they're dead. That's an extreme. The polar opposite, if you want to use that term, would be somebody that's convinced that they're the son of God and they have infinite powers. Jesus was possibly a bipolar guy. Uh My bipolar minds were spinning. Is there anybody else out there who thinks they're Jesus? When I was 16 in San Francisco, I had my breakthrough manic episode in which I thought I was Jesus Christ. Maybe you thought that was, uh, you know, scary, but actually there's no amount of drugs you can take that can get you as high as if you think you're Jesus Christ. Joshua Walters is an American performer who believes we should all be... Just manic enough. Meet... Reuben McDaniel Tuck. He's been riding the Bipolar Express in Asia for so long, he's been offered a complimentary season ticket and diamond membership. You're bipolar? I are. I am a rapid cycler. Uh, me if too. That's it's like a switch with me. Yeah. If you think of it as a, a spectrum, like yeah. a, pen, a pendulum swings on a spectrum, and we all have a certain range. But yeah. for a bipolar person, sometimes the, the pendulum swings very, very wide yeah. of the range. So if you're in a manic episode, you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and you have the solution to all the world's ills, and you have a time machine, if you could just get that plutonium. And when you're depressed, there's just, there's nothing. Yeah. There's just nothing. I think it's uh, like most people. I like the manic part. Yeah. And and that's when you refuse to take meds and go, why would I want to take medicine? I feel great. I've never felt better in my entire life. In fact, the rest of you are peons. You don't realize that the the crash is coming and yeah. pretty soon you'll be crawling under your bed and curling up in womb position and calling for your mom. So how old were you when you were diagnosed as bipolar? I would have been 28. So that's 24 years ago. Do you think your mood disorder has helped you to succeed? Yes. Yeah, Unqual- unqualifiedly, too. yes. You've never switched careers, have you? Uh, that's quite common for bipolar types. I've switched careers more times than... I don't think I've ever had a, a career. I've just oh, had... Oh, really? <laughs> so you do... <laughs> okay, so you are. You do fit that stereotype. Um, switched careers. How does, how does one say? I've tried the corporate scene a number of times, and it's yeah. never worked. I just oh, can't right. yeah. work on a cube farm. Yeah. I'm not a team player. The manic episodes, if I notice uh, mania coming on, generally I'll grab all my electronic toys 
mm-hmm. uh, cameras, uh, sound recorders, what have you, yeah. uh, laptop, and just be as creative as possible for as long as possible. Yeah, me too. Because I find that a lot of the best stuff happens then. Happens then. I'm a performer. I'm also diagnosed bipolar. I reframe that as a positive because the crazier I get on stage, the more entertaining I become. And then of course. you hit the wall and bang. <laughs> no more creativity for you, pal. <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes. Kiki Wong is her ballet company's real-life black swan. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder six years ago in Hong Kong. I've been depressed and was taking antidepressants when I had my first manic episode lasting a few months. I got myself and other members of my family in huge debts and was spending over $20,000 a day in Gucci and Armani. It was crazy and every time my credit card just was refused, I would get a new credit card. My shopping meant I had to move to a bigger apartment just so I could I could fit in all my stuff. When I ran out of money, I would steal. I was not very good at it, and so I was caught. Police came to give me a warning, but it was but I didn't really register that at the time. My life was moving so fast, I didn't have time to question my behavior or even think about it. I also stole my mom and sister's credit cards and, and bought clothes and shoes as them. Eventually, my family had enough of my behavior. They called psychiatrists who came to my house because I refused to admit, even to myself, that I had a problem. I like big bites. If, if, if the condition, disorder, call it what you will, presents any problem, it's the, the manic appetite, the desire for bigger bites, richer flavors, more, more, more. Yeah. And the, the difficulty of saying, okay, enough. Do you take medication? I do take lithium carbonate. I think there's something like alcohol. It's a lot easier for me to just say no yeah. than it is to say okay, when. So you do drink, even though you're on lithium? I do. I was in never moderation? instructed not to. No, that's the problem. Oh, okay. I, I do not excel <laughs> in moderation. I always thought that that's the problem with moderation. It's so easy to overdo it. To be honest, most bipolar people that I've spoken to find that they can't drink now, not because it just makes them crazy or something. It just doesn't agree with their medication. No, I do not drink alcohol anymore. It's a trigger of both mania and depression for me, and I feel sick of drinking since taking the mood stabilizer. I've found, if anything, it uh, it increases my tolerance to alcohol. Really? Yeah. It, it, makes, it means that I require more alcohol to feel any real effect. Hold on. Stay in control. Have you ever been paranoid? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Not for very long. It, you know, the rational Vulcan side of my brain takes mm-hmm. over and says, ah, you know, think this through. There's really, how likely is it there are giant flying lizards outside your window? <laughs> it seems highly unlikely. There's no evidence to support it. It's generally during times of mania. Yeah. Things are going so fast and so brilliantly, and, and there's so much adrenaline and hormones pumping through you, and you go, oh, yeah, but what if, ah, oh, no, that would be awful. And everything's just magnified, so. Yeah. Your euphoria can quickly turn to paranoia. In my case, it doesn't last long. Um, why? What were you like as a kid? Were you particularly naughty or disruptive at school? Quite the opposite. I was the really? I was the, the politest child in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Other parents would point to me and say, "Why can't you have good manners like Danny Tuck?" I was also national spelling champion at my age group. 
<laughs> now, that doesn't come as a surprise, does it? Hence uh, yeah. intolerance for people who can't spell good. <laughs> <laughs> I was constantly, you know, twiddling and twitching and bouncing in my chair and couldn't, couldn't keep still. Mm-hmm. Class clown, that sort of thing. But not disruptive, not naughty, never in trouble, never sent to the principal. Yeah. I, I respected authority. Yeah, what changed? Um, I <laughs> achieved the age of reason. <laughs> Lately, I've been, I've been losing sleep. Do you ever have any problems with sleep? Often. I, I fall asleep easy, but I wake up easily. Yeah. Except sometimes I just can't sleep. Yeah. That's totally normal. Well, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go through phases of certain types of dreams. Like yeah, me too. Like combat dreams. I'll wake up punching and kicking or I'll... Yeah. Yeah, exhausted when you wake up. More exhausted than before you went to bed. Oh, oh yes, that's quite common. Yeah, I mean, insomnia generally people wake up knackered, um, but with bipolar insomnia, if you want to call that, they wake up energetic. And that's sort of, you know, most people... Can't do it, yeah. Yeah, they get exhausted. Yeah, insomnia, it's only three more sleeps till Christmas. (laughs) I still don't sleep well for for long. I, I get about six hours sleep. Being bipolar, did you feel you were born with an abnormal amount of sensitivity? Do you think you're overly sensitive to the judgments of others, either real or imagined? Yes and yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Give uh, me an example. Um, my wife will often say, well, you're just being oversensitive. And I go, I am not. You're being oversensitive. I'm not oversensitive. Bast into tears and then yes. start laughing. Put it this way. As a kid, I got a, a, a BB gun. Uh, for a Christmas gift, and I was running around firing it and, you know, being a American boy, and I took aim at a bird and I shot the bird, and I, I could hear the shot hit the bird, and the bird tried to fly away, fell down dead. I wept for two days. I I had to take off school. I just couldn't live with what I'd done. I was, I was ruined. I, I did it quite intentionally and immediately realized the consequences that, that I'd killed something, something innocent, something harmless. Do you have dogs or anything? I have a cat. You have a cat. Dear Jezebel. Do you find that keeping pets helps stabilize mood swings? Yes. Yes, very much. Having pets, especially affectionate pets, um, will will definitely stabilize you and and, uh, sort of give you a reason. He's the only one who understands me. (laughs) My little dog. My little cat. (laughs) Jezebel, you love me, Jezebel. (laughs) Hi, Ben. Listen to us. If you've just tuned in by accident, you're listening to the Bipolar Express. I'm Sadie Kay. I have bipolar. It's a condition I share with one in 15 Hong Kongers. Joshua Walters is an American performer who believes being diagnosed with bipolar disorder is entirely a matter of how lucky you are. There's a movement going on right now to reframe mental illness as a positive, at least the hypomanic edge part of it. Now, if you don't know what hypomania is, it's like uh, an engine that's out of control, maybe a Ferrari engine with no brakes. You're driven to do something that everyone has told you is impossible. And there's a book, John Gardner wrote this book called The Hypomanic Edge, in which Christopher Columbus and Ted Turner and Steve Jobs and all these business minds have this edge to compete. Hong Kong is a very entrepreneurial city and you see a lot of entrepreneurs and some of them are quite extreme and at times their mood swings can be quite extreme and you've got to work out is that because 
of the person they are, the business that they're in, the ups and downs of the market, or is that because there's something else going on? I was intrigued to know if Barry has any bipolar clients who are bosses of multinational corporations in Hong Kong. None at that level. None. Bipolar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple of bipolar friends, <laughs> colleagues, yeah. doctors, yeah. But oh, there are a lot of bipolar psychiatrists there. There's probably as many as there are anybody because else. Really? So I'm not actually sure of the stats on bipolar affective disorder among psychiatrists, but I suspect it's pretty much Hi. <laughs> no, the same as everybody else. <laughs> A different book was written not too long ago in Touch with Fire by K. Redfield Jameson in which it was looked at in a creative sense in which Mozart and Beethoven and Van Gogh all had this manic depression that they were suffering with. Some of them committed suicide. So it wasn't all the good side of the illness. I'm in a creative profession and yeah. that helps, doesn't it? There is some evidence that within creative people, artistic people, there is probably a higher incidence of bipolar affective disorder. So there is some link between that condition, creativity, and some people even argue genius. So maybe there's no such thing as crazy. And being diagnosed with a mental illness doesn't mean you're crazy. But maybe it just means you're more sensitive to what most people can't see or feel. Maybe. No one's really crazy, but everyone is just a little bit mad. How much depends on where you fall on the spectrum. How much depends on how lucky you are. What do we want? A cure for bipolar disorder. When do we want it? We don't anymore. Nobody likes me. Now it was time to get down and talk about depression. How do you know when the phase is shifting? Because presumably you're quite adept at spotting your symptoms now. Yes, I will notice um, symptoms of a depressive episode coming on and I'll tell somebody i'll tell my wife or if she's not around she's often traveling uh call on friends and say hey i just need you know some of your time otherwise you just sort of spiral yeah. spiral down you know there is a heightened risk of ending your life um with this condition particularly if it's if it's untreated or not stabilized don't do it don't do it don't do it don't do it don't have you ever attempted or tried to commit suicide? That's a bit of a change. This is just like by further interview. You look here and tell me <laughs> oh, more times shit. than I can count. Oh, my God. You have to. Oh, yes. Yes, suicide attempts, self-mutilation. Wow. Yes. Did that sort of lead to it? Um, that you sort of led then? to the diagnosis. Yeah, okay. Um, it was when I uh, began self-mutilation, the girl girlfriend went, uh, yeah, I, I can't deal with this. I need a professional to yeah. sort this out. You know, if it's if it's just an oversensitive and maudlin, tearful boyfriend, yeah. maybe he'll get over it. But he's he's starting to cut himself. So we need to see a doctor. I had become anorexic. I had lost 48 pounds and was hospitalized because I could not walk. And within the diagnosis and the, the began to take lithium, the doctor said it may take 10 days to two weeks to, to become effective. I'll tell you what, within 18 hours, I was eating at Pizza Hut. Yeah, depression will do that to you. Absolute mm -hmm. anorexia to the point of... Uh, Immobility. How come when people have mental damage, it's always an act of imagination? Yeah. 
I think we're all born with a vulnerability, a propensity to lots of different things, mm -hmm. whether it be diabetes, hypertension, bipolar. You know, some people probably could get through their life with a vulnerability towards something, but it never gets triggered because they're never subjected to enough stress. Or It's always a combination of, you know, your inbuilt sort of genetic predisposition plus the yeah. world that you inhabit, right? Yeah. Uh, so if somebody's got a very big propensity or vulnerability towards bipolar, then maybe they'll get ill without a lot happening. Mm -hmm. Some people may have massive adverse events and never develop a condition. Um, I always dreamt that uh, when I had my final breakdown, it would be because I had a deep Kafkaesque existentialist revelation, but that's not, that's not what happened. I had my breakdown during my daughter's sports day. Girlies running, 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 everybody, except for my daughter, who was just standing at the starting line, just waving, because she didn't know she was supposed to run. So um, I, I, I took to my bed for about a month, and when I woke up, I found I was institutionalized stressful life events as we call them things happening to you of some major significance they tend to precede the onset of an episode either depression or hypomania or mania one in four people suffer from some sort of mental illness so if it was uh one two three four it, it's you sir with the with the weird teeth and you next to him you know who you are actually that whole row isn't right that's not good Bipolar runs in families, doesn't it? It does. So it's almost everyone on the planet will have a bipolar relationship. Well, one in four to five people has a, has a mental illness. Mental health affects all of us. So there, yes, yeah. I mean, every family is affected. Uh, I think I inherited from my mother, who I used to crawl around the house on all fours. Uh, she had uh, two sponges in her hand and then she had two tied to her knees. Um, my mother was completely absorbent. <laughs> But again, it's back to that point about it's not just your genetics, it's also you, the life that you live and yeah. the context and the environment and the stressors that act upon you. So you've not got kids. I decided at an early age I didn't want kids, didn't want to put anyone through what I had already endured. I didn't realize at the time that it I runs was, in family. It does run in family, but my father was chronically depressed yeah. all the time. Oh, that must have been hard to live with. Right? Well, I didn't live with it. He did, well, my parents got divorced when I was 10, oh, and I, okay. I seldom saw him. But when I did see him, it was just, what's the word I'm looking for? Just bleak, dark. That's hard to understand for most people. Everyone gets depressed at some point during their lives, several times yeah. during their lives, and it could be caused by tragedy, you know, uh, a, a death in the family, a pet death, whatever. It can be caused by chronic illness. Unemployment. Unemployment. Anything. Who can say? Yeah. Everyone gets depressed, and so everyone's experienced it. But when you have clinical depression, it can be triggered by anything at all or by nothing at all. Yeah. And it can go for months or years. Yeah. And people who've endured depression and come out of it, just they think, well, just, just snap out of it, man. Think positive. Yeah. Ruben, why are you crying? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> That's exactly how I am. When you're bipolar, tears, yeah. tears aren't always the result of anything. They just come. Of course, it worries me that my baby might develop and inherit the bipolar. I feel fortunate I, I can spot the symptoms if this does happen and, and get professional help for my daughter.
medicines for when you're depressed. There's medicines for when you're high. Yeah. And then there are medicines called mood stabilizers to try and even out the bumps. Do you put people on lithium? Sometimes it is the only medicine that works. Do you take medication? I do take lithium carbonate. And yes, I think lithium generally is not my preference because people on lithium sometimes complain about feeling suppressed. They're better in some way, but they feel a bit muffled. And some of the more modern mood stabilizers, people don't complain about that. The ideal is is to be able to help somebody with your medicine without causing them other problems. I was on lithium and off of antidepressants for more than a year when the Prozac craze hit the world. And people, Prozac's the wonderful, you know, the wonder of the age. You must try it. So I went to my uncle in the United States who is a a doctor and got a prescription. I was doing five for for more than a year. No, uh, immediately, within a week, the most serious suicide attempt, the one that was closest to successful, uh, 37 stitches. Putting your wrist? Yeah. Always that way? No. Um other methods <laughs> <laughs> you're quite creative even then <laughs> how long did it take you to find the courage to accept the treatment um i never really had the choice i, <laughs> I, I, I became conscious in a hospital and went, because, hmm. of, because of the cutting yourself because of the mutilation yes yeah. i didn't have the option of refusing the treatment i was committed involuntarily to a psychiatric facility oh so you were sectioned okay sectioned okay yes sorry why i nailed my genitals to the floor once <laughs> Did you really? I really did. Oh, my God. With, like, a nail gun? With a hammer and a nail. Oh, my God. I have no recollection. Um, but I was sectioned shortly after that. Yes. <laughs> well, you would be. Still works, though? Still works. <laughs> yeah. No scars. Wife's <laughs> happy. The first half of high school was the struggle of the manic episode, and the second half was the over-medications of these drugs where I was sleeping through high school the second half was just one big nap pretty much in class when I got out I had a choice I could either deny my mental illness or embrace my mental skillness I take very small quantity of medication and it works fast I don't have the extremes anymore just a little mania sometimes and a few set days Electroconvulsive Therapy, Part 1. So you had ECT therapy? A number of times. E-C-T. <laughs> My favorite letters of the alphabet. <laughs> but I would say that it's uh, beneficial. I yeah. would, if, In cases where it's necessary, it's painless. You know, all of the horror stories and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and, and the teen horror movies where it's, it's not like that. No. Maybe it was at one time, but not yeah. anymore. Uh, it's a very low shock which mm-hmm. basically causes a, a seizure mm-hmm. and sort of resets your body like an Etch-a-Sketch. It's sort of like turn over and shake. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. But Are you conscious through it? No, no. General anesthesia. Okay. We were uh, warned and it seemed kind of infeasible. Uh, he's going to forget numbers. So, you know, okay. don't, don't rely on him to remember yeah. his address or his phone number or any of that. And so immediately after, you know, waking up and shaking off the anesthesia, my girlfriend at the time said, uh, where do you live? I said, I live, live on the mountain. Oh. Yeah, well, what's your address? My address is, uh, what oh, is my address? <laughs> do you think there's anything wrong with your mind, really? Not a thing, Doc. Do you think the stigma of being labeled bipolar is more dangerous than the illness itself? I do. Mm-hmm. People 
become fearful and react to you in irrational ways, like treating you like a patient, treating yeah. you like an invalid, or yeah. or being afraid of you, afraid you might be dangerous, yeah. treating you like a threat. Do you, has there ever been a period where you thought maybe I am dangerous? <laughs> there hasn't, but there have been people, you know, neighbors and people with whom I got along socially very well, who, when they discovered that I was bipolar, began avoiding me or or speaking really? to me, treating me very very differently because they were afraid. Yeah. And that was in Hong Kong? That or? was in Hong Kong. Mm. I suppose the same might happen in Western countries, but I think certainly in North America, the stigma is yeah. lifting. In fact, at the moment, it's kind of the diagnosis du jour. <laughs> I just found out I'm bipolar, and that explains so much. Yeah, I mean, Hong Kong reflects its position as part of China, and traditionally there's been a lot of stigma, but I think it's changing. There's this big stigma about being bipolar in Hong Kong, and on the mainland, it's much, much worse. That's why I only tell my brother, sisters, mother, husband, and, and one friend about my being bipolar. Some people tell me that I need help. Some people can off and go to hell. And when I woke up, I found I was institutionalized. Well, I wasn't. Sent a lot of cards or flowers. I mean, if I had had a broken leg or I was with child, I would have been inundated. But all I got was a couple phone calls telling me to perk up, perk up, because I didn't think of that. So here's my question. My question is, how come every other organ in your body can get sick and you get sympathy except the brain? I think it's very, very difficult to live your life when your mood states can be unpredictable. Of course, we all have ups and downs, but life's about a degree of predictability in terms of how you are. Mm -hmm. So, if every so often, out of nowhere, it seems your mood goes up or down, that's very, very destabilizing. That's very, very difficult for you. What would you say to people who are perhaps suspecting that they're bipolar, but they don't know for sure? I think you probably ought to go and see a doctor. And the first step in Hong Kong or anywhere would be probably to see a general doctor, a GP or somebody, and then if they felt there was more to it, they might refer you to a specialist. If people have a problem with their mood states and they get the right help and they stabilize and they have ongoing help, then they can yeah. lead productive lives. And remember, your mental health is and should be private. Yeah, of course. Okay, so it's not something that. People should know about it's something between you and your doctor and and but it does help to do things like support groups and of stuff course like that. even a doctor who like me who's never suffered bipolar affective disorder I mean obviously I've a great deal of knowledge and talked to a lot of people about it can empathize but there's always a slight gap between you and somebody that's Actually a fellow yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. sure for sure if like me I was very much against counseling, very much against you know support group, but immediately found the benefit. I mean, I think the more medical psychiatric bit is about trying to help people stabilize or get off yeah, the roller coaster, and then the, the other bit is sort of trying to help you optimize your life. For details of bipolar support groups in Hong Kong. Visit my blog, BipolarHK.com. As for the stigma of mental illness, remember, bipolarity is triggered by stressful life events. So unless you can confidently predict your future, you could develop the condition. 
If somebody you care about is having a hard time coping with stressful life events, be as supportive as you can, but be mindful not to sacrifice your well-being in the process of helping us. Help your loved one to get professional help. Thanks to my bipolar guests, Ruben M, Kiki Wong and Joshua Walters, as well as my long-suffering psychiatrist, Barry Connell. I'll be seeing him again next week. And thank you for listening. I've been Sadie Kay, and so have I. (laughs) 